What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am joined by Mona Sheikh. She is a stand-up comedian a host and producer of Minority Reports. She was most recently featured on MSNBC. That's a big channel, bigger than this one, just so you know. And opens for Jay Leno. Yeah. The first question I wanted to ask you was, how long have you been doing stand-up? I've been doing stand-up for 13 years now, almost. 13 years. And how long have you been opening for Jay Leno? I've opened for Jay about six times already. Yeah, I've opened for him six times. And also more latest not a big deal. I was on uh, CNN recently and uh, I wrote an op-ed for The Hollywood Reporter. So that's why. See? An op-ed for The Hollywood Reporter. Look, see, you know what? The greatest thing about this show too is that I just see, I get inspired because I'm like, oh yeah, you could do like more than one thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you go on one media outlet, then they're all calling you because they want that story too. I hear you. I hear you. The other thing too, it's a personal question. Have you ever driven one of Jay Leno's cars? I have not. You know what I did the last time I was uh, backstage? It was just me and Jay. And I was like, hey, Jay, I know you don't have kids and just hear me out for a sec. How would you like to adopt an immigrant child that's grown already that's sitting across from you? How about that? And I was like, you don't have any kids. I was like, you don't have to take care of me. I'll cook and clean, but I need to have access to your cars. Uh, and he was like, no, nah, we're good. He's like, we're good. You know what? I think if we, we could sway him to maybe take two children, maybe he just wanted more than one. So maybe me and you will be a package deal. It's possible, but I, I don't even think he was down for one, let alone two. And two brown kids? I, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, but you want to know what it is? If he had two brown kids, it would like it would make him cooler. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, but he's like seventy five, dude. I don't think cool is what he gives a shit about at this point. He cares about like cool cars and living life. Maybe he did it the right way. I think he did it the right way all the way. We were talking a little bit before. I always ask this question for you when you're doing stand up. Do you still get nervous? No, you don't care, right? It's another day at the office. You know what it is. I think the more I do stand up, the the less fucks I give, the better I get. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to. It's just kind of this natural progression. It's just another day at the office. Yeah. I think once you just like, you know, you put enough time in and like you kind of get those reps in. Yeah. You're more working out new stuff at that point instead of like being nervous. You're like, oh, like, well, this didn't get the reaction I wanted it to or this killed. So I'm going to like try and do this. I mean, my birthday was on May 18th and then on May 19th. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy belated. Thank you. I ended up getting booked at the Laugh Factory here in uh, Los Angeles, which is a very big comedy club. But I got booked on uh, two clubs, one in Long Beach and then one in Hollywood. So I go do the Long Beach set and then I'm like driving like a maniac. I get to Hollywood and the manager walks up to me and goes, hey, I need to bump you because Joe Coy is here. You know who Joe Coy is, right? Yes, yes, yes. 
okay, I'm like, first of all, there's no fucking way I'm going to follow Joe Coy. I'm like, I'm not following Joe Coy. This is ridiculous, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I love Joe. That's why I, I, I like worship the guy. So, uh, you know, his people are like, no, no, no. And I get it. You know, they're protecting him and they're protecting the space. So I walk up to Joe and uh, to Joe Coy and I'm like, hey, Joe, my, my name is Mona. I'm you know, going up. You think I can just go up and do my time a little bit right before you? He was like, yeah, go for it. I don't give a shit. Like, just go. I've worked with him. I used to work at Caroline's Comedy Club. He is a very nice man. The coolest. Super cool. The coolest. Super I cool. adore him. Yeah. He's so great. I think if you ask about nervousness, I don't think I was nervous. I was a little self-conscious right. that one of my heroes is watching. That's when it can get tough because you never know who's going to pop into a green room. Right. You don't know who's going to pop in the green room. I mean, they already gave us a heads up that I was getting bummed. But, uh, you know, and he was like so lovely. Like after my set, he was like, you were awesome. That's hilarious. He goes, I love you. You're fucking fantastic. So as a younger comic compared to him, he's been doing it for like fucking 30 years. Yeah. You know, I'm like a child compared to him. I'm like a fucking toddler. But to get that kind of approval from somebody you admire so much, it, it means the world. That's what people need to hear on this show. All right. Just try. Just try. And if you get an opportunity, make it work. Don't say, no, it's okay. Just go to the opportunity. Fear's a powerful thing. You can either use it for you to your advantage or you can make it work against you. I mean, but you have to be conscious enough to ask yourself, what is it that's stopping me from doing? What is it that I want to do? And 99% of the time, it's fear. 99% of the time. And you have to stop and be like, am I going to keep letting this fucking fear run my life? Or am I going to tell it to fuck off? Because most of the time, fear is just an illusion. And I'm just going to go for it. And not, honestly, majority of the times, it's just a fucking illusion. And the thing is, too, it's like, you're not fearing actually doing it. You're fearing that people are going to like, you know, it's not going to go well. Just do it. If it goes well, it goes well. I remember even telling my friends, like, I've done a set where I've bombed and I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, you did it for yourself. You kind of just have to laugh at yourself and just be like, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> you know, like even in the moment, I'll be like, OK, I'll say like, you know, it's like you're going to have to have fun with it. The thing I feel a lot of people, we feel as if we'll never recover from something like that bad. Right. But I'm telling you, you will. There's so much worse shit that can happen to you in your life. So much. I mean, public, I think, you know what it is, is because stand-up is such a public art form that you are literally either winning or failing in real time. There's no lag time, right? You're eating shit in real time or you're getting applauded in real time. Yeah. But it's all happening in very, very real time. And I think that's a huge fear. Public speaking is a huge fear, let alone to go up there and try to make people laugh. But I also feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like being a stand-up comic, there's a level of self-hate. There has to be like some level of self-hate. Oh, yeah. You have to hate yourself. At least one-tenth of your brain has to be self-hate to even get there. 100%. To be like, I'm okay with eating shit and being berated on fucking stage, but I'm going to get up and do this anyways because I need this. Not I want it. I need this. There's... The fear that comes with it, whether you bomb or you don't, the amount of triumph that you feel after yes, is outweighs the fear by like a thousand percent. hundred percent. You know, like that's what people have to understand is if there's something that you've been wanting to try, especially in the entertainment field, what's the worst thing that happens? Okay. It doesn't go well. Right. It's everything in life. 
my thing is like, thank God, like a portion of the world, like kind of thinks I'm funny because when I was in high school, yeah, I was afraid to fail doing regular school shit. I said, people are going to think I'm dumb because all my friends went to like these nice schools and, and, you know, they had like lineage of like parents going to Harvard. Like all of my grandparents were immigrants. Where were they from? Did my father's parents are from Italy. And then my mother's parents are, are Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's a Puerto Rico's like America light. Sure, sure, sure. For you know sure. what I mean? Puerto beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's diet America. Yeah, point. it's total diet America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like diet America, but like we're still like immigrants, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their thing was their parents came here and they were like, hey, you guys are going to speak English. Right. All right. And they would be like, oh, like we want to speak Italian or Spanish. My mother's fluent in Spanish. My father understands Italian, but he's not fluent. But they were like, listen, how many times do I have to tell you, you little shits are American. Do not speak another language. What's just sad? Be American. And then I tell them now, and I said, you guys robbed me of my lineage. Right. They were coming from a place of fear. They were fearful. They were. And my grandfather came here and like right after World War II, my grandfather was just like trying to like not live in like blown up Italy. You know, he was like, I'm just trying to like have a life. My father's parents got married in Toronto and then my grandfather tried to like get into the country and he had he had to go back and get his papers and then come. So like he was like, listen, I've done enough Italian shit in my life. You guys are all American little bastards. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So for you, though. Yeah. Kind of a similar story, but you are first generation, pretty much. I'm an immigrant. I'm not even first generation. Yeah, yeah. you are immigrant. I'm from the old country. From I the old country. From the Pakistan. old country. Yeah, old so country. When you come to America, yeah, you were in ninth grade. I was in ninth grade, uh, but I started in eleventh grade when I got here. That's because. The private schools that we went to in Pakistan were so advanced that the stuff they were teaching in 11th grade here, we had learned that in 8th grade in Pakistan. That's how far behind the education system is. That is outrageous. Your brain is in 11th grade, but like your body's in 9th grade, I guess, right? Yes. They make you do all that stuff. When you move to America, what's going through your head? Well, actually, I lied. I graduated 8th grade and I came into 11th grade here. So I skipped three grades when I got here. Yeah. Yeah. But like with the American girls, like fucking smart Pakistani bitch. No, they were like this fucking curry smelling immigrant bitch. Like that's what they were saying, dude. They were like, this bitch smells like curry. And I was like, I didn't even eat curry today, bitch. What the? Like, Miss Jackson, uh, who is this 14-year-old senior in, in, that smells in our class right now? Yeah, they were like, hi, who's this fucking immigrant bitch coming here not taking any goddamn exams because she's acing all the fucking tests? Who is this hoe? We hate her. <laughs> you know? They fucking hated me, dude. It was rough. You don't want to come to America. Where'd you come in America? Oh, my God. That's another terrible story. I need to know all this before we get into these micros. So when I grew up in Pakistan, we watch all these American movies and Home Alone was a huge movie in my life. So I thought all of America looked like Home Alone. OK, so when I got to New York, when I landed at JFK, I was like, oh, shit, I'm about to walk into fucking Home Alone. And then we were driving through Manhattan. I was like, this is my jam all day. And then we crossed Holland Tunnel into Jersey City. And 
yeah. What the fuck? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, are we in Pakistan still? Why are we here? What is this place? This is not home alone. This is a lie. This is before they they fucking fixed everything over there because everyone was like, what is this? Oh, now it's super expensive. Oh, no, I came into the poor Jersey City. That's you're Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican. That's what I was. OK, uh, <laughs> I hear you on that. I, yeah, trust me. So I, I had that. never met Latino people or really Italians in my life ever. So my brothers taught me. So I have four older brothers and they were already here. Okay. So my parents always lived in Pakistan. And I lived here with my brothers and they were my legal guardians. So when I got here, I remember uh, my brothers were like, hey, when you start school, which is in an inner city, Jersey City school, which was a garbage fucking school because we grew up next to the projects. We were like these poor immigrant kids. Yeah. My brothers were like, you're going to come across Puerto Rican and Dominican kids. And I was like, what is that? He's like, they're going to speak Spanish to you. And I was like, what is that? He's like, it's Spanish is another language. And they're going to come and say to you, habla espanol. And you say, no habla espanol. That's what you say. So a lot of kids thought that I was Puerto Rican. Yeah, no, you could definitely pass. 100%. You look like a Taino native. Dude, I have such curly hair. I just straightened it for this, but I, I go to Dominican hair salons because they're the, they're the only ones who get my hair. Oh, yeah. So let me tell you something. Uh, I have a Dominican barber that I have to go see. He's been, I, I haven't gotten my beard done or my haircut because he's been in the Dominican Republic. Oh, wow. The commitment. I refuse to let anybody else cut my hair. That's fair. I don't know if it's like this with women, but when men find a barber. Yeah. That we fucking sink our teeth into them. No, it's the same thing for me. If I find, especially my waxing lady, like, look, this is everywhere. So I can't be like taking chances with weird people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. No, you know, that's the one thing. It's like, and that's another thing, another bubble for a clip. It's okay to be insecure. All right. We're for insecure. Everybody is insecure. Anyone who ever tells you that they are not insecure, they're a liar. Yes. Something about them bothers them. Like we were talking a little bit about self-hate before. Yes. Everybody hates a little piece of themselves and it's normal. For sure. And it's normal. For sure. Maybe not the Kardashians so much. I mean, I wish they hated themselves as much as other people hate them. Uh, Maybe they'll be humbled a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. You know what bothers me the most about them? It's not the sex tape. It's not the lies and the cheating and all the bullshit that they do. It's not that. It's this. And I've been really thinking about this. What they did is like, look, whenever you're in like a corporate environment and I have worked in finance and I'm a former finance girl before I got into stand up. Yeah, because you were in 12th grade when you were 11 years old. <laughs> I, was a I, was 11 years old. <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope you turned it into something. <laughs> but I think what bothers me is that, you know, when I used to work on the trading floor, uh, uh, my boss was fucking his assistant. So. <laughs> Then people were finding out that he was fucking the assistant. He took the assistant and put her in another department, which was on the same floor, and gave her a raise where she was only working three days a week, but she was making more money than all the other women that were on the fucking floor. Okay. Doesn't sound like a bad gig, though. Doesn't sound like a bad gig. But (laughs) here's the thing. The rest of the women hated this bitch because she fucked her way to the top, right? Yeah. She short-circuited the system. So while every other woman was working hard and doing the right thing and walking the right path to get to the top, this bitch short-circuited the system and fucked the boss. 
No woman likes it when another bitch fucks the boss to get to the fucking top. And that's what the Kardashians are. They fucked the boss. That's what they did. And that's why so many people, including myself, fucking resent them. Because while we're working hard and trying to do the right thing and walking the righteous path, these bitches fuck the boss to get to the fucking top. That's what it is. And the thing is, too, and then we're sitting there saying, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> I never thought about fucking the boss. <laughs> never thought about it. I mean, I fucked a lot of losers, but God damn it. Um, <laughs> you know, like, hey, if you're uh, in comedy enough, you're going to fuck a loser. That's, that's just what it is. That's inevitable. I, and it's not even fu- fucking comics because that's like the worst. Um, That's like just the you want to like really fucking hate yourself. Fuck a male comic. Knock his mom out. And I think for male comics too, if you really hate yourself, fuck a female comic. It's like the worst. You don't want to do that. I, th- I don't think anybody should ever date anyone in the same profession as them. I don't know about that. Because it's terrifying because I'm so insecure and self-conscious. Like say my fiance now like went up and did a set and like fucking killed it. I'd want to fucking kill her. <laughs> Like, give me the engagement ring back, bitch. Yeah, I'd just be like, God damn it. Fuck, that's a great <laughs> fucking joke. <laughs> or like if she started a podcast and it was just like more successful than me. Like, God damn bitch. I said, I, you know what I mean? I'd be like, God damn it. Like now, like, can you come on my show, I guess? <laughs> Do you feel like she would feel the same way if like you are, you know, I don't know what she does, but you are more successful, like I'm assuming in what you're doing. Do you feel that makes her insecure or do you think it's more of a male ego thing that I have to be better than woman? So I think short answer, no. She's a physical therapist. So like what she has over me is like college and like being an educated human being, like in terms of like on paper and like knowing every bone in the body and like being able to fix me when like I fall off the toilet. So like those are like amazing attributes that she has. I think the only thing that she has a problem with, I think she has said this before, is that sometimes if my content is like too like childish. Oh, okay. You know, like, so if like, if I'm saying like, you know, like pussy, fart, tight butthole, you know, like she'll be like, hey, like, you know, like, you know, my mom has Instagram, like, which I totally understand as a comic, as someone that makes, you know, I'm as blue as it gets. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I try to keep it as real as possible. That's how I talk. Yeah. You know, I'm not just like, hey, I'm going to say fuck a bunch in this. I'm like, no, that's just kind of how I talk, sadly. That's a very New Yorker thing. It's interesting you said that because I often listen back to my sets because I sit tape all my sets and I listen to them. And I was like, I cuss a lot. I was like, I cuss a lot. And I was like, it's just, I guess, growing up on the East Coast, I grew up with four the brothers. Like I work, I have a lot of male friends. That's just kind of how we talk. Yeah, this fuck is just like, that's like saying like. Exactly. Precisely. I fully went into the relationship being like, I know I'm a tough sale. They're like, oh, like, who's your like new boyfriend? And I'm just like singing about tits. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, I get it. And what's wrong with that? I get Everybody it. Everybody celebrates tits. I know. I was like, I, I could be go the other way and sing about like, you know, something else. And I said, if I was singing about penis all the time, then like she would have a chance to be worried because I might be gay. Are you single? I'm single, yeah. Okay, so in your last relationship, what did they do? Oh, don't even get me started on the last relationship. I just went through a breakup two months ago. This motherfucker. You guys broke up two months ago? Oh, so it's fresh. It's fucking fresh. He claims himself to be a finance guy. Right. Was he the boss? You fucked the boss. No, no, I didn't fuck the boss. He, he ain't boss. He ain't the boss of shit. This motherfucker. Let me tell you about this motherfucker right here. Okay. 
first of all, I meet this motherfucker on a fucking dating app and he's pretending to be Indian. And I'm like, bruh. And it's not his picture. When I show up on the date, it's not him. It's somebody else. It's another guy. Okay, wait, wait, wait. One second. You can't go this fast. I know my producer is listening to this right now. And I know she's losing her mind with this conversation. that we're about <laughs> Okay. So you're on a dating app. Which dating app is it? Okay, stupid. Okay, stupid. Okay. Okay, stupid. And then you see a guy on there who's Indian. So you're on the app. Yeah. He says he's Indian. Claims to be Indian. Claims to be Indian. You show up on the first date. Is he even close to being Indian? Yeah, he's Pakistani. He's not Indian. I'm like, motherfucker, we're like the same people. Yeah. It's like ibuprofen or Advil. Yeah, that's what it is. You get there, it's not him. Why do you not run away immediately? Because I'm talking to him and I'm like, wait, you're from the same city as I am. You moved to America at 15 like I did. We have way too many things in common. He's a tall, good looking guy. You're like, I got to see this through. Yeah, I don't understand why he's catfishing. I don't understand. So I'm like, maybe I'm questioning my own memory. Like maybe you talked to the wrong person. Yeah, maybe I talked to the wrong person. Maybe I'm thinking it's the wrong. But because we're having a really great time. We're, we're hitting it off. This guy is not the guy that was in the app. He is not the guy on the app. He's not. It's not him. It's somebody and else. you're like, fuck it. It's almost like reverse catfish because he was tall and good looking. She's tall and good looking. So I don't understand why you're lying. Oh, but there's a reason why he's lying. Oh. I think I can guess, but I'm going to let you tell it. Oh, no, no, no. I want you to guess. Go ahead. I bet any of your guesses would never guess why he's doing that. He was married. No. Nope. He was gay. No. Nope. He works for the government. No. Nope. All right. That was my last guess. Oh, none of those things. You would think that those would be the obvious things. Yeah, right. It's, it's like, oh, it's all right. It's worse than all of those things combined. It's like literally the worst thing ever. I meet this guy on February 3rd of this year. February 3rd. It's an important date. We must remember that. Okay. So on the second date, I'm like, hey, why did you catfish me? I'm like, why did you catfish me? I'm talking to him. I'm like, why did you catfish me? That was nice of you. You wait till the second date. Yeah, I waited till the second date. I had a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, Los Angeles is a tough city to date in. It's a very, very hard city to date It's in. a very ego-driven city. Ego-driven, a lot of fucking assholes, a lot of drug addictions, a lot of alcoholism. Like, there's a lot of problems. A lot of mental health issues. Like, there's a lot of that here. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I really like you. You know, I'm in the finance world and some of the finance world are also in this app. And I just don't want them to know that I'm in the dating world. It's bullshit. It's total nonsense. He's lying to me. That lie like kind of makes sense. Kind of makes sense, but not really. But I'm still like suspicious. But he's, he's tall and handsome. He's tall and handsome. And we're hitting it off and we're both from the exact same fucking background. Right. So that's crazy. Right. On the first date, he revealed to me that he converted to Judaism 10 years ago. So he's a Muslim that converted to Jew, to being a Jew. And I'm like, all good. It's L.A., baby. I'm like, bro, l'chaim. Like, I'm about the Jewish boys. Let's do this, right? We're good. We're good. We're good. I love fucking Jewish boys. It's good, right? Second date. He tells me that he is a witch. He's a priest in the witchcraft. But now it's getting fucking weird. And I'm like... What do you mean? He's like, I, I you know, I, I do witchcraft and I take witchcraft classes. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a witch. And I'm like, you're a Jewish witch? You're a Pakistani Jewish witch. Am I understanding this? You're Jewish. You're Jewish. You're, you're a Jew witch. That's hey, you're Jewish, dude. <laughs> you're I said I was Jewish. I said I'm Jewish. <laughs> Sorry, did I? Did you mishear, misheard me? I'm Jewish. That's who I am. I'm like, this is fucking getting weird. That's yeah. my Instagram. 
That's who that's my Jewwitch.com. <laughs> Just find me at Jewwitch.com. <laughs> so this is the second date he tells you a witch? Mm-hmm. Okay. Please tell me there wasn't a third date. And I was like, I was like, this is going on stage. I have a whole 20 minute bit written on this shit. And you can take Jewwitch. This is gold. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. It. It's gold. It's fucking gold. Okay. So on the third date, he's like, you want to come check out my Jewish, my, my Jewish stuff in my house. Oh my God. So I'm saying to myself, if you're a finance guy, you're making good money. I would think I show up to his house and it's this janky looking fucking house. It's like, it looks like a trash can. It looks like a fucking dumpster fire. Okay. So I'm like, Hmm, interesting. I go into his place and he has two bedrooms. One bedroom is entirely dedicated to his witchcraft. So I walk in and there's this giant pentagram on the ground. There's like all this witchcraft shit all over. And he has books upon books about witchcraft. And the books are on necromancy. Do you know what necromancy is? Dead people, right? It's waking up the dead. It's talking to the dead. And I was like, why do you have books on necromancy? And he was like, well, you know, I'm just really fascinated by it. And I'm like, Somebody died because they don't want to talk to you. That's why they fucking died. Yeah. Leave them the fuck alone. What the fuck? That book should be one page long. You can't talk to dead people. No, like it's over. Don't talk to dead people. It's not that hard. Okay. When I die, I don't want to talk to nobody. Fuck off. I want to fuck off to another land. That's the one perk of dying. You never have to talk to anybody again. Thank you. Thank you. You don't understand how much I'm looking forward to it. I'm so fucking looking forward to it. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking weird. Okay. So then I'm like, then he starts telling me about his mother, how his mother died young of like pancreatic cancer or something. And I was like, oh, that's why he wants to do it. He wants to connect it. And the umbilical cord is still connected. He never cut it off. I'm like, got it. Okay. So he has like these emotional attachments to this thing. Right. So long story short, I'm like, it's not going to work out. Have a nice day. I gotta go. The fact that you even went into the house. Don't want to see this. Is out fucking rageous. But we're comics. Self hatred. Hello. That's true. Bringing it back full circle, baby. Bringing it back. If I was dr- dating a Jew witch woman and she was like, "Hey, I want you to come into my witch den," I'm gonna go in. Really? Yeah. Exactly. Precisely. So you get it. I'm gonna go in. I'm lying. I'm lying. Yeah. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go in. Come on, Danny. You're gonna go in. It's the same crazy. We're talking about the content. Story. Content. I need the content. Legit, right? So um, I don't know about you, but uh, meditation has uh, been really helping me a lot it's with my yeah anxiety, with my insomnia. Like it's been really helping me. So I've been meditating a lot. So it came in my meditation that this guy has a criminal record. So I'm like, hmm, interesting. I kind of shoved it off a little bit on the side. Then I'm watching the show uh, Worst Roommate Ever on Netflix. Oh, I love it. Fucking love that psychopathic shit. Serial killer. Yeah. Yo, sign me up. Yeah. Was this the one when the guy was like moved in and like took all the furniture and shit and all the chairs? Yeah. Oh, my God. How did you know? Yes, that's the one. And I'm like, this guy reminds me so much of that guy. So my voice in my head goes, pause the show and Google his uh, criminal record right now. I Google his criminal record. Ring. Wow. This motherfucker has a federal indictment launched against him because he tried to rape a woman back in 2020 on a fucking United Airlines flight and the government revoked his fucking passport. He cannot travel. February 3rd is when I met him on the date and he had the fake profile up. 
January 31st was his last court date, but the case is still continuing. Jesus. Whoa. How do you top that? You can't. Imagine if I guessed it, I could be a necromaniac or whatever it is. Oh, necromancy is the nicer part. That's yeah. That's like okay. Like that's just like oh, you have like a little like interest in like dead people. Okay, I could look past that. Sure. This guy had to rape a woman on a plane, and he's so I'm just like maybe it's not him because maybe it's somebody else. So I look at who posted the bail, and he told me his brother's name, and it's his brother. He posted the bail for fifty thousand dollars. Gosh. Then I'm like, now I want to go into do the fucking background check on this motherfucker. You have to go all the way. So I went all the way. In. He's lived in 25 different cities, 20, 25 different cities in the past 10 years. So what are you running away from? He has 15 different aliases. He has Jewish names, Muslim names, all kinds of names. He's a Jew witch. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And I'm like, I fucking dodged a bullet. Yeah, dude. I fucking dodged a fucking bullet. You saved your life. I saved my life. With meditation. Yeah, through meditation. Meditation is powerful. Dude. Oh, my God. Like, I want to make a joke so bad, but that could have been so bad for you. Do it, Danny. That could have been so bad for you. Also, horrible venue, by the way, to try and assault somebody. Don't assault anybody on a plane. Don't assault anybody, period. But on a flight, where are you going to go? Where are you going? You ain't going nowhere. What's your escape plan, idiot? First class? You can't go to the first class? What a fucking moron. This person doesn't know where you live, right? He knows where I live, but I know where he lives, too. All right. That's good. Well, you keep those four brothers around. Oh, they're not here. I I got this. Yeah, I'm not worried about you. If we, uh, a part of me is like, you know, I feel like, I guess, worried. But now, honestly, I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm not afraid for you. I think you can handle yourself. I freaked out so hard. I deleted all the dating apps. I was like, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to date anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. Just don't talk to me. What was like the last like super serious relationship where you were, you were in before that? A year ago. Are you looking still or like, are you like th- totally thrown off by the Jewish? I don't know what I am, Danny. You know what he did? I'll tell you what he did. There is a betrayal on such a deep level here that I, he made me question my own judgment. He made me question my own sanity. Isn't that horrible that somebody else that can do that to you instead of yourself? Right. And somebody on such a deep level. But think about had I not been meditating, had I not been coming across this information or I haven't had this epiphany. So I don't know what kind of fucking lunatic is following. me. I don't fucking know. Fucking gnarly, man. Yes. That's scary. Yes. And I'm so fucking freaked out where I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to date nobody because this is fucking terrifying. Right. Dating right now. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's not even tough. It's like you might never come back. That's right. Right. Because these men on the internet are fucking crazy. They're psychopaths. Like, listen, I don't know if he's doing some fucking sacrificial thing where he could have just kept me in his fucking house, knocked me out. He'd like try to turn you into his mom or something. Try to turn me into his mom, like mummify my body or some shit. I don't fucking know. I don't think I could ever date again after that. How can you trust anybody? I can't, Danny. That's why I deleted everything. I don't want to date nobody. Do you want to get married? Not at this point. Not after this. What about children? Do you want children? No. So when you came here, you said your parents stayed back in Pakistan? Yeah, my parents always lived in Pakistan. So your parents have never been to America? No, they've been to America. They just never really lived here. My mom only 
lived here, especially in the past five, ten years. That's because my father passed away in 2005. So my brothers brought her here because we weren't going to leave her living by herself. Oh, fuck no. Yeah, she lives in the U.S., but, you know, our parents were just not good planners, just terrible planners. How do you leave five kids who are only two years apart from each other to help raise each other in a fucking foreign country? Like, who does that? Sounds like a sounds like a good TV show, though. Sounds like a TV show that ends in death. That's what it sounds like. You know, it's a terrible idea. Sounds like, like The Wire. <laughs> sounds like The Wire. Pakistani edition. <laughs> Did you have a choice that you were coming to America? No, we had no choice. So a lot of immigrants come to America because, of course, they want a better life and stuff. Our family came to the U.S. is because my second and my third brother were given expired vaccination for polio and they ended up getting polio because of it. What? There was no treatment for them in Pakistan. So my mom would write letters to hospitals around the world saying I have two very sick kids and they need treatment. So finally, Shriners Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky responded and said, if you guys just fly yourselves out, we'll pay for everything. And that's how we started coming to the U.S. Yo, shout out to Kentucky because... Shout out to Shriners Hospital. Yeah, for Kentucky to take two brown kids, Kentucky... Yeah, they're very big. Uh, I mean, Shriners Hospital is a very special, wonderful hospital. They're that's wonderful. beautiful. So how are your brothers now? I mean, you're physically challenged for the rest of your life. So my two brothers have polio. My second brother has polio in his uh, both his legs. And my third brother has polio in his left leg. But I am going to say this. They live awesome lives. They're super successful. They're way more successful than I am. <laughs> Uh, they have uh, one of them is married, has a kid. They live beautiful lives like they travel all over the fucking world. Their lives are much better than my life. And that's the craziest thing is like, you know, people see us like do like funny stuff and like we're inspirations to people. I'm like, you guys should be my brother. Yeah, my brothers are fantastic. You know, I was like, you guys should meet other people in my family. They're like way bigger inspirations than me. They're way more successful than I. I'm the fucking brokest of the family. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm the brokest sibling. That's who I am. So being younger and seeing your brothers go through that, did you feel like helpless? Like at that age, you're like... I was very protective of my brothers. Very protective. I was a tomboy, you know, because I grew up with a lot of boys. So I, I was a tomboy. Yeah, they, they grew up beating the shit out of you, probably. Oh, we were all beating the shit out of you. Yeah, other. that's what it, it was, is. They toughened me the fuck up. Like, it's good. I'm good. My sister t- took some beatings when we were little kids. And let me tell you something. She's the toughest one out of all of us. I'm afraid of, of her. she is. Day. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking terrified of her, to be honest. You're not worried about her. She's might be more worried about you. 100%. Yeah. She's a fucking badass. I remember I was in, like, first or second grade in this uh, these Catholic schools we went to in Pakistan. But because we didn't have lockers in Pakistan... So we would carry our books to school every day. One of our siblings would always take turns for my second oldest brother because he had, you know, crutches and he had uh, braces. So we would take turns walking him to his class. And I remember this one time I walked into his class and I walked into, you know, I, I dropped his bag off and I walk into my class and one of my classmates goes, oh, your brother's a cripple. And I was like, what did you say? I was like, what did you say? She's like, your brother's a cripple. I was like, yo, if you call my brother a cripple one more time, I'm going to fuck you up, right? Yeah. And she was like, your brother's a cripple. You can't do shit. I was like, oh, oh, ho, I got your number now, ho. Yeah. Lunchtime. We're in the outside area where kids are having their lunch and stuff. 
this bitch is about to take a bite out of her sandwich. I knock that sandwich out of that bitch's hand. I grab her, I throw her on the ground, and I beat the little fuck out of this bitch. Okay? <laughs> yeah, how old are you? How old are you? I don't know. Maybe eight, nine years old. <laughs> I beat the shit out of The best thing, too, it's like beating the shit out of someone when you're eight or nine is almost more validating than now. Like Now it's embarrassing. <laughs> but like when you're eight or nine to beat the shit out of somebody, it's the best feeling in the world. And I guarantee you, she never fucking forgot it. That's right. That's right. That bitch remember it. Uttered those words out of her mouth again. Tell you that much. She sees you like your face in her in her nightmares. You know she does. One hundred percent. You know, I think a lot can come from a good shot every once in a while. I'm all about that. I'm all about a good beating. You know what I mean? If I deserve it and I'm eight or nine and I say something I shouldn't have said, yes. I deserve a good shot. Ass whoopings prevent school gun shootings, but that's a different conversation. Ass whoopings are mandatory. I know. Now we're like, oh, my God, it traumatizes the child. We fucking turned out good. Look at us. We're fucking thriving and shit, like being successful at comedy. Yeah, but we do hate ourselves, though. There's the the other. It's fine. These fuckers, these fucking younger generation are too cocky motherfuckers, and they need to be checked. And I wish they had some beatings. See, the thing is, too, is like when, when we make statements like that, it's like we obviously know that like there's real trauma. We've all had real trauma ourselves. That's correct. I remember one time, like, uh, I saw a kid that I know from like entertainment. He tweeted something like he was like 15 or 16 at the time, and I was like 23. Yeah. So I saw him tweeting like, uh, something about like being sad. I was like, yeah, you want to be sad? Try paying rent. This is why, like, we need to arm our children in terms of, you know, it's not a great pun right now, but we need to arm them with coping mechanisms. Our children do not know how to cope with anything. They have to learn to try and understand. We have to teach the scientific reasons why our brains cause anxiety, why it causes panic, why it causes depression. It's like I've said it on this show before. It's like it's mental health. It has a very it's in a good state because it's very like uh, talked about now. Yeah. But it's also overexposed in terms of or do you really have bipolar or are you just saying it? Like, do you really have panic disorder? Are you actually diagnosed? Yeah. Like, you know, have you been to a doctor? Like I said early in the show, like, have you been to a doctor who went to school for 40 years that knows everything about the human brain? Right. Are you just saying that? It's very hard for me to understand, like, why a kid would walk into a school and start shooting people because I just, my brain's never been there. Right. Because you got an ass whooping, didn't you? I, I got beat up. I got beat up. I, I never thought about that shit. No, that wasn't a thing. I've experienced so much trauma in my younger years. I grew up in a very domestically violent household. My parents were just fighting and fucking bickering all the goddamn time. Yeah. My father blamed my mom for my brothers having polio. There was just a lot of physical violence in our house, like a lot. I never fucking thought about picking up the gun, shooting the goddamn school. Never thought about it. It's just crazy. Like, I just saw, like, in Tulsa, I think, in Oklahoma, some dude just started shooting people in a hospital. What is wrong with, with this fucking country, man? Yeah. This is not normal. It's guns, man. It's guns. You take, remove guns from the equation. It's hard to go on a mass stabbing. I dare you to go on a mass stabbing. You're going to get one of us. You'll get one of us. One. We're going to beat the fucking shit out of you. Versus in a fucking assault rifle. That's just like taking out 
fucking 10, 20, 30 people at the same time. It just doesn't make any sense. And then the hardest part is, and I'm really going to fucking try not to cry because I this is the only thing on the world that, that really makes me cry. I do not cry a lot. I used to. I don't anymore because I've dealt with the fucking trauma in my life. It's you see the pictures of these children and that's the hardest part. It's like, it's almost to the point where it's, and you see this teacher that died probably protecting these kids, right? Why should a parent have to drive to school, hug their kid and be like, Hey, I might never see him again. And have that be a logical fucking thought. They have a logical thought that, Hey, this could be the last time I ever hug my daughter. What the fuck is going on? And then you expect our kids not to be fucking weirdos? Yeah. Oh, oh, why are all kids like this? I don't know, because their classmates got blown away in front of them? That's right. This is too much. They had to cover themselves in blood and pretend that they were dead so the gunman won't shoot them to death. Maybe that. I remember when Columbine happened. My teacher came into our classroom and told us about it. And I remember just being like, that's the scariest fucking thing. But in my mind, I said, oh, America, we're so awesome. That'll never happen again. That's right. Let me tell you, as violent as of a country Pakistan is, we have never in our history, where with guns are accessible, grenades, you name it, you can go and buy it in the black market. It's not that hard to get. Yeah. No child has ever shot up a fucking school. Ever. Ever. We don't do that. India, Pakistan, Middle East, you don't hear this shit. London. Fucking London. You know, it's the craziest thing is too. The scariest part about it is I hate that we have to give it press because there's just some other fucking maniac out there mm-hmm. that instead of going and talking to somebody because they're probably getting fucking bullied or whatever, they're gonna go to the extreme now to do this shit. I got bullied too. Jenny, we all got bullied. You know how brutal it was when I got here as a fucking immigrant as a 15 at as a 15 years old? Like I was getting fucking bullied every single goddamn day. Yeah. I didn't pick up the gun and shoot up the fucking school. No. In uh 2010, 2011, um, this uh, gentleman by the name of Fred uh, Gutberg, his uh 13-year-old daughter, 14-year-old daughter Jamie was murdered in a school. And uh, he has uh, been such an advocate about, you know, gun laws and trying to really just kind of refine these gun laws and get protections in places. And he talked about that how in 2010, 2011, the U.S. had 300 million guns. You know how many guns we have now? We have more guns than people. 400 million guns are available. 400 million so if you kill everybody in the country, what's left? Some leftover fucking guns. Some just leftover some fucking gun. That is granted that the shooter also decides to put the gun on himself and then off himself too. I get so angry too because when these kids do this, it's not a good look for people with mental health issues. It almost puts, makes the stigma even worse of like, oh, this kid has bipolar, so he's fucking crazy or... This kid's this way and he's fucking crazy. It's like not all of us are doing that. There's so many people that are fighting against that shit. Right. The thing is, no one should have access to a gun that could kill 30 people in a second. These are weapons created for wars. Yeah. Even in the war, like that's a little much. Right. But in a war, you do want to take out as much of your enemy. Right. 
Why do you have an assault rifle accessible where people can just go and purchase it without any background checks? The kid didn't even have a driver's license. He doesn't need to. Dude, the first person he shot was his grandmother. You know he didn't get a chocolate. You know his fucking Latina grandma didn't fucking beat him with a chocolate. And this guy, this kid is Latino. Yep. That's even more shocking to me. I was like, yo, you didn't get your ass whooped? Motherfucker, if you got your ass whooped, you would have never thought about picking up that guy. It's just so sad. It's like, I feel that this is like the easiest way I could put this point. 9-11 happened, right? My cousin died in 9-11. She was in one of the towers. She got killed in there. Wow. So it's all good. So she died in there, right? Okay. 9-11. There hasn't been another 9-11 since. Mm-hmm. Because the government made some changes. That's correct. If it takes me an extra 25 minutes to get on the plane to make sure that we're not going to fucking get hijacked, I'll be okay. 100%. We all did that, right? We take our shoes off. We do whatever is needed. Whatever is needed, do it. If they were like, hey, dude, for everyone's safety, I need you to get fucking naked and walk through this thing. I'll do it. I mean, I was just going to do it just to get a date. Yeah, I was going to do it because I'm fucking hot anyway. So I'm just going to do this just to show off. I'm glad you brought that up, Danny, because there was an awkward, you know, awkwardness about your hotness. And yeah, no, no, it's OK. It's all right. Thank you. But that's the thing. It's like I'm going to walk through there naked if it means that everyone on this flight will be safe. Well, I don't know if we're going to be safe because they're not going to be able to unsee that. Yeah, that, yeah, no, that is true. That is true. But they'll sign a waiver. I'm too worried about like what I'm going to do tomorrow in terms of like, oh yeah, like I have to do this. I have to do that. And then it's, I turn the TV on. It's like, thank God I only have streaming services now. If I watch the news, I'd be the most depressed person in the world. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. That's right. I really can't. And then you want to know what it is selfishly? Yeah. We, how it makes us feel. I remember like uh, when that kid went and shot the, the thing up during the Batman movie, the movie theater. Mm-hmm. It's like I was afraid to almost go see the movie that week. Right. But like right. for me, it's like we internalize things. That's what we do as human beings. Yes. And we've been basically, we are trained to live in fear now. That's what it is. You have to be afraid. Fear is powerful. Fear is a great controlling tool. It's just like, I don't know. I went through a lot of shit growing up. So it's like, I feel like I'm a little like harder edged. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little more fucking badass. Sure. But like, I'm a fucking pussy, dude. Pussy compared to who? Oh, just like in terms of like immigrants, <laughs> you know, people that are like, hey, what's up? You have parents? What are those? <laughs> you mean people like me? <laughs> Thank you. It's like, hey, what's up? Uh, I had two brothers with polio. I'm like, oh, like my brother, like, yeah, has agoraphobia. I beat a bitch when I was eight. I beat the fuck out of a bitch when I was eight. I almost got expelled and I didn't give a fuck. I was like, like, hey, what's up? My two brothers had polio and I moved from Pakistan and and to America. It wasn't just the polio. And then my mom's cousin was running to be a very big politician. So we were getting death threats at home. So that's when my parents really freaked the fuck out. They were like, we got to move the fuck out. Real ones. Real death threats. We know where you live. Uh, you have five children. We're going to kidnap them. We're going to murder them. And you're going to watch us murder every single one of your child. If you don't back off this fucking campaign. What happened? They moved us here. Mainly because of that. Were you just afraid that someone was going to like come get you in the middle of the night? Sure. That's what was one of the biggest fears for us. How are you like 
normal at all. I'm not normal. Don't do that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I try to put up a facade of being normal. That's the thing, too. What? I'm, I'm dating a Jewish. Where do you think that comes from? That is true. You're like, hey, listen, I survived a Pakistani death threat, murder attempts, probably. That's right. Kidnapping attempts. I'm going to see what this Jewish has to offer. I'm like, bring it on. Yeah. I'm like, let's top it off. Let's see where else we can take this. How is your relationship with your mom now? It's uh, okay. It's okay. You guys go back, like, back and forth? Like, do you talk to her all the time? Or Yeah, I spoke to her today. My mom is very interesting. My mom definitely has a personality disorder, for sure, of some kind. Yeah, she ain't going to the doctor, though. No, she hasn't been to the doctor because she refuses to go to the yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah. It's just way too old school. Because, dude, immigrants, like, immigrants, like, we... I'm the first person ever to go to therapy in my family, ever. I've been in therapy for, like, 15 years. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, and it literally saved my life to at least look... Come across slightly normal. Yeah. You know, just at least be able to be presentable, at least. My mom has uh, some very serious issues. Uh, you know, she has a lot of unresolved trauma uh, she has you know from my father and from her own childhood i think my mom definitely displays a lot of ptsd and she definitely is borderline personality there's no denying about it like she just has so many boxes she checks off because one day my mom will call up she was like i'm so proud of you you have done so well for yourself and the next day called me up she was like you're a loser what have you done? You haven't done anything. I don't mean to laugh, but I could just imagine that conversation. It's like, ah, dude, it's fucking priceless. You hang up and you're just like, damn, I love my mom. And then she calls you and you're like, I fucking hate this woman. That's exactly what I would say. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I told my mother to her face. I'm like, I fucking hate you. You're a fucking asshole. Like, I've told her that. Yeah. Right? Because so nothing that comes out of her mouth is something that I trust. I not, never trust anything that comes out of her That's got to be rough on you. Of course it's rough. It's just like, oh, like my mom told me she loved me today and it's probably not how she really feels. And then she'll call me tomorrow and tell me I'm a piece of shit. Precisely. But th here's the thing. It goes back to the point that you made earlier that as you get older, there's a turning point where you're like, my parents are just fucking people who did the best they could. Yeah. They did the best they could with all their issues and all their traumas. And don't get me wrong. I am super grateful to my mom, to my dad, for bringing us to America, for getting, giving us good education, even all the fucked upness they gave us. I'm grateful for it, right? Because I chose to make all that shit and turn it and become an alchemist. Take that shit and turn it into gold. Like, turn it into something good. You have to. You can't. Look, I think at, after the age of 25, you can no longer blame your parents. No, you can't. You got to grow the fuck up. You got to take that responsibility and be like, yo, shit happened to me. But at this point, this is my responsibility. It's not my fault that this happened to me, but this is my responsibility to fix this shit. It's very powerful that you said that. Like People might be triggered by that, but here's the thing what you have to understand is that the world does not care because sadly, millions of other people are dealing with the same thing that you're dealing. Or worse. The thing that, that keeps me going is like, somebody has it fucking way worse than I had it. Correct. You know what I mean? And so it's people that I don't even know who are my inspiration for things. I'm like, yo, there's somebody that went through way worse fucking shit than me. That is correct. So if I fucking sit here and feel sorry for myself, I'm going to be another statistic. That's right. And then I'm going to further along the stigma that, that since I have trauma, that I can't fucking do anything. No, I'm going to prove to people that I could come back from something yep. so fucking powerful and traumatic in my life, and I'm going to spin that shit in the fucking gold. Yep. Because I'm going to show people that you could come back from horrible shit.
Yeah. And Danny, I don't even know so much. For me, it's not so much about showing it to people. It's about proving it to myself. Exactly. It's about really proving it to myself. I feel like so many Americans don't travel. They don't have perspective. Right. We live in such a privileged bubble. I'm not, uh, you know, downplaying somebody's mental health issues or their struggles. If you live in America, I'm not downplaying it. However, when you do travel to other parts of the world, you're like, holy shit, I got it pretty fucking good. And the thing is, like, I live in New York City, right? So I've lived in, like, not the best part of the city. And then I, I'm thankfully, I live on the Upper West Side and it's like old people and dogs now, oh, right? Oh, look at you fancy. I used to live on 53rd and 7th. Oh, okay. I would say my address on here, but I, I want to stay alive. Yeah, don't, don't cheer that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want a Jew witch to show up in my apartment. I don't think the Jew witch is going to show up to you. I live relatively close to wh- where, like, your address was. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll throw that out there. If you, if you find me, you find me. If you kill me, it's congratulations. Oh, Danny, who's going to kill you, man? You're good people. No, this hey, somebody shot John Lennon. I don't want to get off the point that you're saying, though, is, like, we have a very hard problem where we tend to feel sorry for ourselves and then we don't realize how fast the year goes and you prolong this thing. And I'm guilty of it. This is something I've been guilty of that. I said, oh, woe is me. Like my parents didn't show me enough attention as a kid. So I'm just going to be fucking depressed and feed into my depression and not do shit. I lost valuable years of my life doing that. People have to understand we're only promised the now. Anything can happen. Sadly, we could disappear tomorrow. You don't know. It's either an accident. People take their own lives. People get shot in schools. People get cancer. A Jew witch showing up to your house to turn you into their mom. Like there's so much stuff that can happen. People just really have to understand at some point you have to care about yourself because the world does not give a shit. That's right. About what trauma you have or whatever. Okay. You have to care about yourself. You have to do it for you. And then you get big enough, then you can shove it in someone's butt. Then you can say, hey, look, motherfucker. I'm the man now. Yes. I don't know about the anal part. Yeah, no, no, no. With permission, of course. Consensual. I just feel like travel is such a big part of the conversation, too. For sure. I went to France and I was like, oh, I was in Paris. I was like, yeah, they got like legit like street rat people out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, yo, like these dudes will rob you and they're all in like Puma sweatsuits and shit. Yeah. I was like, these dudes are poor as fuck. But dude, Paris is nice. Like France is... Nice and stuff. I'm talking about like parts of the world that I come from. Oh, no, I could never. I could never. I'm too much of a pussy. No, that is some hardcore shit. Like, I am so softened living in America that when I go to Pakistan, I am literally like just trying to cover my eyes because I'm just too emotional to watch children sleeping in the streets. Like, children like in the middle of the day working as mechanics with their dads because they can't afford to go to school. There is no schooling for them. That was the thing that made me sad about LA. I've only been to LA once and I promise I'll never go back there unless I have work. Why? Because I was in LA and I saw a family of homeless people and there were three children. In New York, you don't see that shit. You don't see homeless children outside. You don't. Where did you see this? I was in West Hollywood. Oh, my goodness. That's my neighborhood. I was staying in West Hollywood. And uh, what's the big supermarket chain out there? Whole Foods? Not Whole Foods. The poorer ones. Vons? Vons. Yeah, yeah. So I'm outside of Vons and I see a, a family and I'm like, you know what? Let me study them because you do have fake homeless people from time to time. It is LA. 
So I'm just like, all right, let me keep an eye on him. And I literally sat in the car for like an hour. I was like, yo, this family's legitimately fucking homeless. And I was just like, yo, like, let me go. And I got them some water and food or whatever. But like, I do that because I saw children. You know, I'm just like, dudes. Yep. LA's got real fucking homeless problems. We have the biggest homeless problem in the country. I mean, we have over 65,000 homeless people here. New York homeless. They're like vegan and shit. They're like, I don't need that. Oh, LA. I got to say, though, our homeless people and some people might get mad at me for saying this are a lot better looking than any other homeless people in the country. Oh, I I don't doubt that. I saw a homeless guy with six pack. I was like, I'm going to the gym, motherfucker, and I can't get that. Like, good on you, sir. Good on you. Yeah, see, that's like being homeless and fat's got to be rough because they're just like, hey, dude, what's going on? It's like, hey, listen, man, a Big Mac's way cheaper than a fucking whole food salad. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's the thing. Oh, you want America to be healthy? Why don't you make salad not $14, you fucking dicks? Because they don't want to. How They want to keep us sick and poor and fucking dumb. That's how people stay in power. How much of your childhood trauma is in your act? A lot of it. It's the best, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the best until you watch people get really uncomfortable. Yeah, but that's the best part about it. Making people uncomfortable is the only way to do things these days. That's true. I feel like, you know, the first time I ever talked about trauma was like 10 years into doing comedy because I just couldn't find the courage to talk about it. I just didn't know how to talk about it. Especially being a woman, though, too. Yeah. Like, oh, these people are just going to be like, oh, here's another fucking whiny female comedian. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even think about the whiny female comedian part. I felt that I was going to make myself vulnerable to predators. Oh, wow. Elaborate. So I don't know how much you have talked to female comics in New York, but there's a lot of sexual harassment that goes on in stand-up. Like, oh. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, there's a lot of drugging and raping that goes on in stand-up comedy that in among female comedians, which is beyond fucked up. I always as much of an immigrant and a tough girl that I am, I am still a girl. Okay. When I go and I'm making myself vulnerable and talking about growing up with abuse and stuff, there's almost like this kind of uh, signal that's sent out to psychopaths and fucking predators and abusers to be like, I want to put on the best fucking look that I am a nice kind compassionate person and then approach this person that has dealt with a lot of trauma and then feed and prey on it right and make them feel comfortable for them to then fall for me so that I can manipulate them and control them in any which way I want and that has happened and that's a tough thing because like a lot of trauma is like centered in love right this idea of love of of not having it or, or or wanting more and Once we find somebody that finds, I'm just talking about people who I've spoken to who have been manipulated in relationships, who have have been taken advantage of, or people who have had horrible things happen to them. This is what I really understand. And you call me a snowflake all you want. Being a woman is fucking sucks, dude. It does suck. 100%. And people are like, no, that's the wrong terminology. I'm like, no, it fucking sucks. It's so fucking hard. Yes. You know what's fascinating? People are always like, believe women. Men need to stand up for women and protect women. Yeah. From who? From other men? Yeah. So why are we not teaching men and boys 
to not grow up to be fucking psychopaths and not mistreat women and abuse them rather than telling other men to protect women from who from other fucking predators and other fucking abusers why don't we just become a society where we teach boys from a younger age it's okay to cry fucking let it out it's okay you're a fucking human being feel it out you're not a girl for feeling your fucking feelings you're a human being for feeling your feelings you keep oppressing that shit you keep telling boys they can't express this they can't be that they can't be sensitive they can't be this guess what guess what that child is gonna grow up to do some major fucking damage because you have damaged that child and then also like when you do that to a certain type of child right so there's a certain type of child, and I'm talking about the American child. We have access to so much shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not like saying extremes like access to guns and stuff like that. We just have so much access to the internet. Yes. We're almost molding our children. I, I really hope that I was the last era where, like, if you cried, you were a fucking faggot. Yeah, that's right. I was the last era of children that was like that. But I sadly, I don't think it's going to be that way. I feel like the younger generation is very a lot more mindful. They're a lot more sensitive. They're a lot more caring. I mean, look, they stand up to bullies. We didn't have that growing up in school. We didn't have nobody standing up. for. It was very rare. And you like had to beat the bully to, to like within one inch of their life. That's right. Yeah. You had to commit a crime to like get a bully off of you. That's right. Now, like the entire school will like gang up against the fucking bully. Bullies go get called out. Like it's a big culture shift. It's great. And it really goes back to it too, because if we grew up like that, afraid to express ourselves, how the hell are we going to teach our kids to express themselves? Right. We're going to treat our kids like shit. Of course you are. And then it's just this horrible, vicious cycling. Then if we're going to treat our kid like shit, they're going to treat women like shit. That's just how it works. Of course you are. Because they don't know any better. That's right. Unless you go to therapy and then you should know better. That too. I wanted to just expand on the thing that being a woman sucks. I hate that I say it that way, but the only reason I say that I'm ho- so happy that I'm a man is because I know I could not handle being a woman. I'd be so bad at it. I'd be so bad at it. I already have like uh, hypochondria. Like I, 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 I spoke to my fiance about this. Like when we first started dating, I said, isn't it crazy that you have to go to work when you have your period? Yeah. You're bleeding. I'm like, yo, if I have a head cold and calling out. That's right. Do you know that women uh, at an average bleed seven years of their lives? Seven years were bleeding. That is so gnarly. It's fucking nuts. It's <laughs> fucking crazy. And then you will have men to be like, what are you on your period? What are you all moody? What are you this? Yeah, bitch. Yes. My body is going through fucking an earthquake right now. Yes, that is correct. And the other thing, too, is, is, you know, if you believe in God or you believe in science, they're like, hey, you didn't get pregnant. Shame on you. Right. Then there's that. You know, it's like, oh, your body didn't get pregnant. Yeah. We're going to make you fucking bleed for it. Yeah. Isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah, because it's all controlled by toxic men. Yeah, dude. From back in the days, genetically, men's figured out, you know, hey, we're a little bit taller and a little bit stronger. Mm hmm. You know, let's figure this out. I can't be convinced that women were just born having periods because, you know, like something had to happen, like something genetically had to cause that to happen. And now it's they're punished every month for not getting pregnant. Right. Not getting pregnant. And when you do get pregnant and you don't have enough money to raise a child, then you're called a fucking huge and a fucking loser. Yeah. 
like even like that that's like that's why i've always like refused to take uh like at one point i didn't have a job right and they were like hey like you could you could file for like unemployment or whatever i was like yo i'm not fucking doing that yeah yeah because i was like no because i was like there's some fucking single mom out there that needs this shit i'm more than capable of going out and getting they got enough money danny don't worry they got enough money money. that's what i'm saying dude it's like where's this money i don't get it if they have enough money to fund a fucking useless war in afghanistan for 20 years they got money don't worry maybe next time maybe next time i'll take it but like my pride is like in my mind i was just like i always come back to this i saw my mom deal with some shit and then my mom dealt with some shit from a previous relationship my mom's been through it you know what i mean and my mom you know my mom's house burned down twice when she was a kid her father was abusive you name it it happened so like in my mind it's like yo like the struggle is real and the struggle is in front of you you got to learn from that, dude. You have to understand that. A lot of times we take our mothers for granted because they're our moms. They're supposed to take care of us, right? There's people out there that don't have their mother. That's right. Or they have their mothers, but they call them that one day they call them, they love them, and the next day they call them, they're a piece of shit. And so we go to that. But like, does a part of you feel like, you know what? My mom might have like a personality disorder, but it's still nice, like, you're on the phone. Sure. Do you think you and your mom will ever get to a point where. No. No, right? I'm gonna, I'm just I'm gonna just cut you off right there. Yeah. Have Have you expressed to your mom? Like yes. I'm sure. A gajillion times. A gajillion times. You think it's just old school shit, just stuck in her ways? Like I'll never do it, or do you think it's from her trauma too? I think it's a combination. It's trauma. It's personality disorder. It's old school. But you know the interesting about me and my mom. My mom has this interesting relationship with me that she doesn't have with my brothers. Is that I sat my mom down. And I said, look, this was like 10, 11 years ago. We had this conversation. I'm like, look, I no longer see you as my mother. You are not my mother. Mm -hmm. You are a friend that needs help. And I will do whatever I can to help you. But when you start crossing my boundaries, I will call you out on it. I do not need love from you. I do not need approval from you. I do not need validation from you. I don't need nothing from you. You cannot give me anything that I'm not already given myself. I have chosen to become the parent that you were not there for me. And I'm going to be that for you. I'm going to be that for you. And I have managed to raise myself and I will continue to raise myself. And in the process, you can come along and be a part of the conversation as long as you don't cross my fucking boundaries. Right. I'll show you how it's done, but don't fuck with me. I'll show you how it's done, but don't fuck with me. And I've told my mother multiple times, I don't need anything from you. You are not capable of giving me things that I need. You just don't have it. And it's fine. I'm not faulting you for it. I don't hate you for it. That's just the lifestyle and the life that you've grown up in. Yes, call a spade a spade. That's it. Yeah. You've made the choices you have. And these are the choices that I want to make for myself. Right. And I'm no longer. And I think the difference between my siblings and I is that my brothers still seek my mother for validation and love. And I don't. Yeah, that's a weird guy thing. That dynamic has shifted for us. So my mom, in return, stopped looking at me as someone that who needs something from her. So my mom now speaks to me as a grown woman. She no longer speaks to me. Oh, you're just a child. You're just. A, yeah. And the moment she starts to walk down that path, I check her real hard. And then she retreats. Right. And then she's like, oh, my daughter doesn't need it. She's good. She's got it. But that's the thing, too. It's like if you allow her to go there. Right. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but 
if you allow her to go there, that could be a huge trigger for you. It's a huge trigger and it's a bottomless pit. It takes us nowhere, right? She's not going to give me the things I need. I've accepted that. She just doesn't have it. She doesn't have it. Did you have to like kind of come to grips with that a lot earlier in life or was this something that's like kind of relatively new? No, I came to terms with that like in my mid to late 20s. In my mid 20s is when I had really come to the realization. That's where like kind of like the the seeking of validation like just kind of stopped. And the hard thing is too, and I hate to say it this way, like I didn't become a good friends with my parents until like I was like 30. Yeah. You know, that's how long it took you to come into your own as a person. Yeah. Like, you know, like I blamed them for a lot of shit and like I held a lot of like hostility towards them. And then, like I said, I'll say it again. Then I just realized that my parents were human beings and I had to under- try and understand them on a human level. And we're all just fucking flawed fucking beings. That's correct. Try to do the best we can. Try to do the best we can. You know, it's like you got to make peace with the people that we're closest to because that shit will kill you. Right. Even if it's not the peace that you want, even if it's like you never speak to that person again. Right. I mean, I did that with my father. My father in 2005, when he came, I had a horrible relationship with my dad. He was very physically. My dad beat the fuck out of me till I was like literally two months before I moved to the U.S. My father beat me so fucking hard that my earrings came out of my ears. Do you understand how hard you got to fucking get hit in the head? My father like was grabbing me by my hair and like bashing it in the fucking wall. Okay. That's what my dad was doing to me. Okay. But I was not gonna let that stop me from make p- making peace with my father. I wasn't going to fucking let that stop me. Because it's not for him. It's for you. That's correct. That's correct. And a lot of people don't quite understand that. Maybe they understand it intellectually, but they don't understand it in their heart. It's like, you don't understand. My brothers never got to make peace with my father before he passed away, but I did. I did. Because I wasn't going to let that fucked up fear or that hostility or whatever, that bullshit, because I came to the realization, my father's fucked up. He grew up in a fucked up environment. He did the best he could. Okay. But I need to talk to him like an adult. I cannot look at him as my father that I need. He's not there. He does, he can't give it to me. He doesn't have it. I need to tell this man, listen, what you did to me was wrong. Right. But I know that you tried to do the best you did, but you have to know what you did to me was wrong. And, and you need to live with that as long as you're still here. My father apologized to me. He said, I fucked up. He apologized to me. I was shocked. I could not fucking believe that he made peace with me. Let me tell you something. Getting apology out of any fucking dad is outrageous, no matter the background. That's correct. Dads do not apologize. That's correct. That's correct. That had to be so fucking alleviating for you in a sad sense. I think what was most devastating about it is that I made peace with my father while he was in the U.S. when I was living on 53rd and 7th. And a month later, so my father, a week or two weeks after that, he went back to Pakistan. And a month later, he passed away. So I was like, fuck. Yeah. Just fucking make peace. Like, we were just going to start this new journey. And he's gone. I think that was the most devastating. I think I still have a lot of pain about that. Where it was like, we just we just got there. We just got there. We don't we were we were gonna make something good. Yeah. That's the heartbreaking part. And then it's also, but at least you got to have that feeling. Cause imagine if you didn't 
and he passed away and you were like, I never got to say this to his face. Right. Right. No, my father and I had a full blown fight. Like we were sitting in an Italian restaurant. I was married at the time. My ex-husband and my mom are sitting and my father and I are just going off in Urdu, which is our mother tongue. We are just fucking going off. Right. And everybody's like, you're like, we're going to curse in here, but we're not going to do it in English. So they don't. Right, it not, oh, I was doing English. Too. I was like, mixing <laughs> it up, right? uh, I was just fucking mixing that shit up. But my mom was like terrified. My mom was like, oh, you need to calm down. And I turned to my mother and I said, shut the fuck up. I said, you are not to be a part of this conversation. Yeah, no. And my, and my ex-husband was like, honey. And I was like, don't fucking honey me. I will fucking cut you right now. Like, don't even get involved in this shit. There's 30 years of this shit. 30 years. I'm like, yo, I'm good. I wasn't even 30 at the time. I think I was like maybe 26, 27. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm lying. I was 24, 25. This is moments that if you're a young adult, I really hope that you guys can have these moments with your parents. But the worst part is you have to reach adulthood to really understand it. I hate. Just wait. I don't know if it's adulthood. I think it's maturity. I think you're confusing adulthood with maturity. You can be an adult. Uh, maturity is where it comes in. Yeah, because like, you know, I've met fucking 19 year olds that are more mature than me. I'm 33 years old. So it's like, you know, I think children should have obviously the protection of their parents, but then they grow up in a situation like you where your dad's fucking beating the shit out of you. Right. right. And then you had the balls to confront him, though. Right. I have to. That's a very inspirational thing. I really hope that you're proud of yourself for doing that. Well, thanks. You know, I don't even know so much it is about pride as it is about peace. Those two P's are big deals for me. I used to have a lot of pride. All I want is peace now. Yes, me too. You could keep the pride. Every once in a while it comes out because I'm a dude. But like, it's like, yeah, I just want peace, man. I just want peace. I can't do it anymore. Fighting a prideful fight is a, is a losing effort. I mean, at that age, I just grew up in such a chaotic home. I wanted peace much earlier in my life because I experienced so much chaos. Yeah. So I think by even though I was like 25, I was emotionally about 45. You know what I'm saying? You were drained by 20. I'm exhausted. Like I'm fucking exhausted. I feel like the Benjamin Button because I feel like I'm living my life in reverse. Things that I should have been doing in my teens and stuff, I'm doing it now because I didn't have that opportunity. Did you ever think you were going to be a comedian when you were in school? Fuck no, dude. Fuck no. You know what the craziest thing is? I have my eighth grade classmates from Pakistan hit me up on Facebook and they ask me, what is it that I do? And I'm like, I'm a stand-up comic. And they're like, that makes total sense. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They were like, you were the funniest one in the class all the fucking time. You were it. And I'm like, interesting. Interesting. That's, that's kind of why America rocks, though. That America totally rocks. Dude, we have a lot of great things. <laughs> Minus the guys and the billionaires. It, shit on it for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But we got good shit. No, America kind of rocks, though. We got in and out. We got five guys. Yeah, yeah. We got stand-up comedy. You know, we got some laws. We got crypto. Yeah. We're so good. We're, we're good. We got Joe Rogan's podcast. No, we're good. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to put the kibosh on that. I'm going I'm to stop right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Oh, my God. That's like the American thing, though. Now, like, they're like if someone's like, oh, you want to know about America? It's like cheeseburgers, Joe Rogan and like this. It's just like, oh, come on. No, no, no hate against Joe. I just I'm not down. Trust me. I'm picking on what you're putting down. I just wanted to say I love the way that you talk about life because 
there's sincerity in there, but there's also just a hint of like, obviously there's trauma there. Yeah. Like, you know, a part of you has been traumatized. You know, it's a traumatizing word, the word trauma. It's a big buzzword. Yeah. And I think the way that you talk about it, I hope the people that listen to this episode can really get to understand that, uh, an understanding that these are things that you can approach through talk and talk therapy. So you've been in therapy for 15 years. Do you think you would have been able to deal with any of this without therapy? Like, I know you said it saved your life, but like, can you go into a little bit without like, you know, you don't have to overshare. When I moved from Pakistan, I was 15. Then I was uh, experiencing all the abuse at home. I packed up my bags and I left when I was 18. I met my ex-husband. I got married at 22. And uh, then I found out he was cheating on me. So then I was like, I got to get out of this abusive relationship too. He was being also very verbally abusive and stuff. You know, when you come from abuse, you don't know anything else. Like everything is just that. Seems normal to you. Everything is normal. Abuse is Oh, like, yeah, like he's going to like fucking curse me out. Like it's normal. He's going to tell me I'm a piece of shit. I've heard that from my family all my life. I'm a piece of shit. So, okay. He's just saying what I've heard all my life, right? I was thinking about killing myself. So the thought of killing myself was a lot better than going through a divorce. Right. So I was like, I'd rather just kill myself than go through a divorce. I don't know why therapy came to my head. I don't know why it came to my head because I had no one to talk to. And I had just no support system because my ex-husband was a narcissist and he like really just isolated me from all my friends. So I had no support system. So he was my entire world. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was uh, a lot younger, so I just didn't know anything better. So I think going to that therapy, the first therapy session and continuing going to therapy single-handedly saved my life. And it gave me, it took the blinkers off. Yeah, It took the blinkers off of looking at life from such a narrow perspective, like, oh, if I leave this man, I die, like he's my entire world, to being like, it's okay to be alone. The greatest gift you ever give to yourself is to learn to be alone. It's the single greatest gift you'll ever give yourself. There is no greater gift than the power of sitting alone in your thoughts and sitting with your pain and your trauma and all the fucking mess just sitting with it and saying, I'm going to find my way out of this. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to do self-help. I'm going to work out whatever the fuck it takes, but I'm going to carve my way out of this and I'm going to make a life for myself. And I feel like that single-handedly saved my life. It's a beautiful thing. When you trust the process, it really can be a beautiful thing. You got to go in a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's fucking hard, right? It's hard. It sucks. And then you got to address things about you that suck. That's the hardest part. It's like, oh, yeah, like I could be better at this. Right. You know, it's like, all right, I blamed everything on my mom and my dad. And now it's like, oh, shit, like I kind of suck at some stuff, too. So now I have to figure that out. It's very tough. But like, I'm telling you, if you put the time in and you really care about getting better, it's going to save your life, dude. It's going to save your life. And therapy Um, works. It works. It's proven. It works. Scientifically proven to work. Why wouldn't you try it? That's right. Have you ever done uh, EMDR therapy? No. What is that? EMDR therapy is for people who've experienced a lot of trauma in their lives. It's a eye movement desensitization. Oh, I've heard about this. It's incredible. So a lot of people don't understand that PTSD is actual physical 
damage to the brain. It's actual physical damage. So what EMDR does is like you're rewiring the trauma. You're rewiring what has happened. So you literally get to shut your eyes and go relive the fucking trauma and then you rewire it. So like what's like a session like? powerful as fuck tell you that yeah right it's a mess like you're i'm a mess when i go into my emdr because there's a lot of trauma that i tucked away that i didn't quite realize that i wrote my wrote my first comedy stand-up special and so much trauma came up and i couldn't understand it i couldn't understand these stories these these actual events that i had just tucked away and that emdr helped me actually deal with them to even talk about them because they were so profound i gotta look it up now emdr therapy EMDR therapy is very powerful. Very, very powerful. How long have you been doing it? I've been doing it for at least two years now. So you almost process them. You have to reprocess them. That is correct. Damn, that's fucking crazy. I don't know if I can do that. Is it like a normal therapy session or do you like lay down? Is it like Inception? No, it's not Inception. <laughs> it's like, do they like send you down? No, I'm doing it over Zoom. Oh, wow. So my therapist is like talking me through it. And when it gets too much, when it gets too much, you know, I have to just just like tap or something and be like, I'm out. It's too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. You have like a safe word and shit? I don't have a safe word. I just tap. Oh, okay. Damn, dude. That sounds way too gnarly. I have to look it up now. I do cognitive behavioral therapy and like that enough like makes me like terrified. Oh, really? CBT? Yeah, yeah. I love it though. Because my thing is what I dealt with in my anxiety and my panic is so like health oriented, like physical that if I know the scientific reasons why my body is reacting to something, yeah, I understand it more. And it's easier for me to deal with the anxiety and the panic disorder. And like, if I'm manic, like I'm fucking my mania can get bad. But like, for me, it's understanding the actual physical and mental what's happening physiologically. Now I have a better grasp on, all right, I'm breathing this way because my fight or flight is going and my fingers are tingling because in a fight, they, you know, if you get bit by an animal back in the day, your fingers would bleed less. So it's, it's all physiological what's going on. So once I started doing that and started notebooking and taking notes, it, that saved my life. Good for you. The awareness. The awareness. The awareness. And I always say there's a book called Mastery of uh, Panic and Anxiety. It's by Dr. David Barlow. It's a workbook. I credit that book on the show all the time. It saved my life. Wow. It saved my life. Once I learned the science, my thing too is like when I was going through that shit, I was like, I'd rather have fucking cancer. I'd rather because like, oh, all right, you have cancer or you had a heart attack Mm. and this is how we're going to handle it with medicine. It's like chemotherapy or radiation or this. I'm like, at least I know. Not knowing is the worst fucking thing in the world. Right. You know, I'm just like, I'm not knowing like, oh my God, like, am I having like, you know, like, why is my head hurting? Like, why is this happening? Am I having a stroke? Like, you know, like the mental gymnastics that you have to put yourself through. Yeah. Just horrible. Like with health anxiety and panic is it's the worst. And then like, once I realized that I can learn the scientific reasons behind it, this is really going to help me prosper. You know, like I couldn't do anything when it first started happening. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't shower. It was horrible. I couldn't go outside couldn't talk to people. I couldn't sleep. Once I really am a big fan of cognitive behavioral therapy for those that are dealing with it. You don't know why your body's feeling that. If you go and check out that book, again, you have to be willing to put the work in. But CBT saved my life. But I'm going to check out this one though. Mona, let me tell you something. We're going to have to do this again. This was absolutely fantastic. Yes, I'm down. Let's do it.
Oh, dude, same here. Thank you. This is same question I ask every guest. It's the last one. Is are you happy today? I am grateful. That's a good answer. That's good. And then also for the listeners, where can they find you on the internet? What do you have coming up? And uh, anything you want to promo? Go for it. You can go on jewwitch.com. Jewwitch.com uh, slash uh, <laughs> talk to dead people. Uh, talk to shittywitch.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mona's Comedy. I'm also on TikTok. Uh, I have a really good TikTok thing going on under Mona Shake Comedian. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. You can go to my website, which is just my first and last name. And yeah, and I had to cancel my shows last week, but I have a show coming up this Saturday. I have actually shows coming up in San Francisco and Sacramento in September. And yeah, you can go to my website and there are all my shows and all the shows there. So. It's all there. Well, Mona Shake, you are an absolute all-star. Thank you so much. It was amazing. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate in the- Team it. Ah!